Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 81 of the Restoring Report podcast. I'm super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a show about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. And today I've got a really cool two articles to be reading and reviewing for you guys. I'm going to be reading a couple articles by Frank Viola a renowned author and podcaster that I am actually going to be interviewing on this show on October 26th. So you do not want to miss that. Our interview will occur on October 26th. And sometime after that, I will publish the interview. It's going to be a really phenomenal interview. We're going to discuss uh, Frank's newest book coming out and as well as a couple other questions that I'm going to throw in there at the end. And I I came to know Frank Viola's work through a house church group that I've been a part of for going on a decade now. And it's something that House Church, as you guys know, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while, is something that uh, is something very near and dear to my heart, as in I think it is a more accurate form of ecclesia of the fellowship of the body of Christ on the earth than institutional church often is. That's not to say that institutional church never works or that institutional church is a bad thing or even that institutional church is, you know, a less favored option. I I don't think that's always true at all. I think that some churches do really, really amazing things around here. This summer, I've been uh, traveling around to different churches and seeing how different people do it. And it's really amazing to see the variety as well as the similarities that that we have around here in this area um, as far as what our actual liturgical structure looks like. Um, But when it comes to house church, I've never found a more authentic form of the body of Christ assembling than families meeting together in homes uh, bringing one one thing to share, bringing something to bring to the table for the body of Christ, uh, and getting wisdom from every generation, every age, every um, sex, every life position, every everything. It's just a really special thing, particularly because you can form really close, lasting relationships, and the kingdom is all about relationships, as we've talked about before on this show, as well as um, what the materials and resources that I've exposed you guys to uh, in other places. So really excited to interview Frank Viola. He's, I came to him 
through a book that he read he wrote a long time ago entitled Pagan Christianity which is kind of the first of a series of books which are uh, reimagining and reviewing the concept of church in our modern world and perhaps making it more um as it should be because uh there are many there are many issues we have today as as the church um and it's just a book this a series of books really he wrote pagan christianity reimagining church uh, insurgents reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and he's coming out with a new one as well releasing in late october and all of his books um kind of have the common theme of examining what the church is today uh, looking at what it has been looking at where it should be going looking at how it should be done those are some really great questions that he answers in all of his books. So if you guys are interested in that, particularly from a relational perspective, I would highly recommend Frank Viola and everything that he has worked on um, as well. So I'm super excited for that interview. Again, that's going to be happening on, on October 26th, and we're I'm going to be releasing the interview shortly thereafter. Really excited for that. But today I'm going to be re- reviewing a couple of his articles and reading you some of his words just so you get kind of a foretaste of what he's going to be talking about. Uh, he left the institutional church about 30 years ago. Um, and this are, these are his words regarding that transition. It was 30 years ago when I officially stepped outside of the institutional church to discover Ecclesia. On November 2nd, 1988, by the way, guys, the word Ecclesia is, I believe, the Greek word for um, assembly, and koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. Those are two words that Paul often uses to um, give instruction to the church, the early church. Um, and those are some words that he uses to describe our assembly and our meeting together. So uh, moving on, I sent my church an official letter of leaving. I actually exited a short time before that, but November 2nd is when I made the departure official. The reason why I left is simple. I knew there was nothing more to church than there. I knew there was something more to church than what I had experienced in countless churches of all types. No one hurt me and there was no falling out. I left on good terms. So he's saying that there was more out there. He'd He'd literally seen more out there with his eyes. He'd seen that the church was supposed to be more, to do more, to uh, engage with each other in a different way um, beyond what we do on Sunday and uh, mornings and nights and Wednesday nights. Um, there's something more to being the body of Christ on the earth than just meeting together and having a Bible study and perhaps, you know, doing some prayer requests and answers and a small three-song worship service followed by a three-point sermon. There's something more to church than that. And um, he left basically because he'd seen it. Which I, uh, you know, props to him for doing that and props to him for writing about it. You know, I think a lot of people need to tell their stories when they've been exposed to these amazing things, uh, these workings of God on the earth. So that's really exciting. Continuing on, he says, but what I have found on the other side is in the way of Christ-centered face-to-face community and every member functioning wrecked me until this good day. While I've never returned to the institutional form of church, I've been invited to speak in such churches on the Lord Jesus Christ, the deeper life, and God's kingdom. I'm always happy to do so. So he's saying he always goes back. His relationship with the institutional churches in his vicinity is cordial. Um, They invite him to speak. He loves to participate in their events as a speaker. Um, so he's saying that there's no ill will, basically, I think is what the point that he's trying to reinforce here. He's got a good relationship with the churches that he's been to. Um, he's just he just not a member and doesn't attend regularly on Sunday mornings because he has something that he believes um, it has something to bring to the table. He has something that he believes is valuable. And I totally am with him on that. Let's continue on here. I've also attended institutional church services with friends and family over the years, but I but, but I can count them on my hands. Consequently, I'm not an enemy of the institutional church form. Uh, God used it as an instrument for my salvation. It's just that I found something higher, deeper, and more authentic outside of it, and I'm not talking about house church, which I, which I don't advocate. 
uh, based on what he said in the past, though, I don't think he's anti house church. I think he's pro ecclesia. Which, guys, when, whenever he's talking about the assembling of the saints, when he when he's talking about the church and meeting together, he's he really goes back and he dives into scripture and he looks at what it should be, what we know about it, and he tries to cast that vision into the present. So he's it's not that he's coming down against the institutional form of church or against house church or against you know any form of church that you can possibly think of, any meeting of the believer that you you've seen it's not that he's coming down on that he's simply trying to give us the vision that he believes scripture intended for the church to have right um and god uh, god god has a vision for his his bride obviously his, the body of christ on the earth so we're trying to get as close to that as possible so the, you know that can happen in various forms i would say and i believe he would say that institutional church it's totally possible for an institutional church to be aligned with god's vision for um the body of christ it's totally possible for a house church to be aligned with god's vision for uh, the body of christ so it's really not the mode necessarily it's more uh, how it is done how the how the church is uh, oriented in the world how it is um in how it, where it directs its gaze, where it directs its steps. That, that's really what he's talking about here. So moving on, what follows are new videos where I discuss the church from various different perspectives. Some of the interviews are brand new. Others are messages I delivered in different cities years ago. And then he gives you a link to um, some of the resources that he has. Uh, the next article that I'm going to read to you is, uh, all these, by the way, are can be found on his blog, which I will include in the link to the, sh in the show notes link. A link, I will include the link in the show notes for you guys to check out if you're interested in finding more of his work. Um, he's got so much. Uh, he's got several podcasts, which are the medium of consumption that I like to use nowadays because I can do it while I'm doing other things. Um, and just, he's got a great podcast. He, he talks to lots of people. Um, he, there, it's set up as his most recent one, Insurgents, the Insurgents podcast is set up as a, like a bouncing ideas off each other. There's him and one other guy usually. And, um, I just highly recommend it for you guys to listen to if you're interested in Frank Weil's work. Continuing on, he's in this in this blog post, this short one, he's talking about um, 10 years after Pagan Christianity, and he's looking back on the years that have happened since his first book. Pagan Christianity was the onset of this kind of series of books that he started doing on re-examining church and uh, basically asking himself the question, is this the way that God intended for this to be done? Is this the way that the early church functioned? Is this is what the early church is doing what we should be doing at all? You know, there's lots of questions that he asks. Um, and I believe he would argue that the early church had a lot of really good things that we don't need to let go of. So continuing on with this article, he says, The book that some have described as a bombshell dropped in the Institutional Church Playground <laughs> released on January 2008, Pagan Christianity, co-authored with George Barna, took the pop Christian world by storm, igniting a fury on the one hand and freedom on the other. Um, and that's definitely a very accurate description, but from based on what I know about the book, I read the book at, several times, I think, actually, and it's one of the most transformative books of my life in the sense of how I do church. I've never looked at uh, the assembling of God's people on the earth the same after I read that book. It was very transformative in that sense. Um, but it was also very, um, it was a call out because a lot of the things that we're doing in the modern church uh, he argued should not be be done, and they definitely shouldn't be, you know, religiously defended, and um, because they had no origin in Scripture, they had no. They, in fact, the origin of many of the practices we have today in the institutional churches that I've seen are are influenced by pagan cultures, which he argues is not really a bad thing. It's you know, Christmas is has a lot of pagan influences as well. We celebrate it as a holiday, just the same. 
um, for, for grander reasons, but he's, he's basically saying that to defend an idea as scriptural that is not, to defend your church practice that really has no root in scripture, but instead finds its origin in, you know, Constantine or, um, the, the Holy Roman Empire or just something, something, an or, a, a place of origin that is not scripture. He's saying to defend it like it is scripture is, is not true. And he basically proposes in his later books, um, what he believes are better ways to do church, to do the assembling of the believers on, on the earth. Um, and I, I, I've loved his later books as well. I mean, Insurgents was a, a phenomenal book. Um, I, I did enjoy pagan Christianity more in the sense of, I believe it had a greater impact on how I viewed church. But in, um, Insurgents, he really talks about the gospel of the kingdom. And the mission that Jesus uh, brought to believers, brought and passed to believers, and also embodied himself. So that's a really cool thing as well. And since we're talking to young believers on this show who are seeking the goal of marriage and family, oftentimes what I've found is that those believers who are looking to be married and looking to develop a healthy family are also interested, and rightly so, in developing a healthy community. So this is this is right in line with what this podcast stands for, developing a healthy community uh, with the body of Christ on the earth. Uh, is something that is integral for healthy marriages and healthy families. We have to have a healthy community around us, reinforcing our marriage, reinforcing our family, um, just providing that accountability, providing that that encouragement, that that uplifting, that edification to one another. So it's absolutely essential. Hi, guys. This is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. This, this community aspect, this relational aspect, this um, assembling of the saints together is absolutely critical for healthy marriages, I would argue. Um, so super excited for you guys to hear all that he has to say on the, on the episode that I do with him regarding his new book, which I'm sure will be a perfect read for you if you are in the season of life where you are looking to uh, reinforce your marriage and your family. So really excited, even if it's in the future, because that's where I am, because I'm looking to um, provide, make myself the healthiest husband and spouse I possibly can while I'm single. Um, and, and doing that, these things and providing myself with an opportunity to, you know, basically give myself what I need to have a healthy marriage and family in the future is, is a good thing. So really excited. Let's continue on with his, his, his article here though. The book was unveiled at a time when interest in intentional Christ-centered community and body life was high among 20s, 30s, and 40s. That season ended in 2012, but I believe it will begin again in my lifetime. As was expected, pagan Christianity set off a firestorm of misrepresentations, personal attacks, and misguided critiques, all in an effort to discredit the book and persuade people never to crack it open. Yeah, and I've heard definitely a lot of those uh, would totally disagree with him, though. You really can't diss a book until you've read it. Uh, particularly because um, it's just, I've read it and it's very good. It's a phenomenal book. In no way um, accusing or degrading of the actual body of Christ. It is simply calling us to examine how we practice the liturgical structure of our church institutions today. It's calling us to examine them and ask ourselves the question, is this actually something that the kingdom of God should be doing? Is this something that the church should be doing? It's really, it's a very exceptional book. I would love for you guys to read it, followed by his other books as well, which when I interview him, I, I would guess he's going to be really particular about me saying that because he does not like to think of Christian, pagan Christianity as a solo standalone book. Um, he likes to think of it as a series, a series, a, the first part in a series. And kind of, I've heard him say some things about him not even liking it at all anymore, but man, it, it just had such an impact on me. Um, I wouldn't want to throw it out the window entirely. So let's continue with the article here. 
It, I, it also launched a series of conferences called The Threshold, which spawned Christian communities seeking to meet under the headship of Christ in different parts of the world. That, that, that phrase there, under the headship of Christ, he talks about that all the time, about making, quote-unquote, church services Christ-centered. And he argues that a lot of the time they're not. They're either worship-centered or sermon-centered or one-man pastor-centered or, you know, even like outreach-centered. There's lots of things that can be um, the center of a, of an, of a gathering when really he argues that Jesus Christ should be the center of the gathering of it, of Jesus's bride, which really makes logical sense to me, but I totally agree with what he says there. So let's continue moving on. Looking back at the book, looking back at the book 10 years later, here are five personal objections or I'm sorry, observations. I stand by every word of the book. Okay. I'm glad to hear him say that even more so today than when Barna and I first penned it 10 years ago. On that point, a few years ago, someone spread a false rumor that Barna and I had disowned the book. Completely untrue. See, I had heard that rumor, and I'd even heard um, Mr. Mr. Frank Viola say some things that made me think he didn't he didn't look back on that work fondly. Um, but again, he could be just trying to not fuel the fire of reactionaryism that no doubt you know followed the this book book's release. Which you know, I I understand that. I understand not wanting to cause division and disunity, but also understand for standing up principles that are true and that you believe in and that, you know, could help a lot of people. And this book helped me so much. So I'm very grateful for him standing up to the points that he made in this book because they're very good points. He says that the um, rumor that he disowned the book is completely untrue and never happened. And then he says, quote, don't believe everything you read or hear, please always verify with the people being rumored about. That's also a good idea. Despite the criticisms and truckload of straw man arguments leveled against the book, it continues to stand unrefuted 10 years later. You can see these critiques debunked in this page and he includes a link. Unfortunately, the majority of people who read the book or criticized it without reading it, which I find hysterical that people do that. They do that, by the way. They they criticize and they degrade and they um, like come against these books that they've never read. And it's so funny to me uh, to see the people do that. He said a lot of them still haven't um, heard that Pagan Christianity is not a standalone book. <laughs> it's only a deconstructive and it intentionally doesn't offer constructive solutions. Reading the book on its own, therefore, is like listening to a phone conversation and hanging up well before it ends. I totally agree with him there. Uh, you can't just deconstruct, live in a stage of constant deconstruction and in the wrecking ball stage. Otherwise, you have no structured worldview. You have no structured course of action. You have no plan. You have no uh, mode of being in the world. So totally agree with that. Um, it's not okay to just deconstruct your faith, deconstruct your um, you know, beliefs regarding church and just do nothing about it. Otherwise, what are you doing? Sitting at home on Sundays doing nothing or Saturdays or whenever you do your Sabbath? I mean, you, there's still there's still a concept that needs to be um, upheld and prioritized in the, in the world today. It's just that sometimes I don't think that the way we do church today is conducive to the vision that God had for church. And I would say Mr. Viola, Mr. Frank Viola agrees there. So let's continue on here. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the majority of people who read the book or criticize it without reading, reading it <clears throat> still haven't heard that pagan Christianity is not a standalone book. It's only deconstructive and it intentionally doesn't offer constructive solutions. Reading the book on its own, therefore, is like listening to a phone conversation and hanging up well before it ends. I read that. As a result, misunderstandings have arisen. The constructive sequels, yes, the plural sequels offer practical solutions that can be found here. And those are his books, Reimagining Church, Insurgents Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, several others that I have not read yet. If you read Pagan Christianity, please read the sequel so you get the entire argument. Uh, this spoof video, which poked fun at the majority of critics of the book, is still, critiques of the book, is still being watched and shared on YouTube. In the video, the book gets ex 
excoriated and ripped to pieces by outraged religious people. George Barna and I talked more about the book in an interview we did, looking back on the volume linked at the bottom. In closing, he says, I predict that my upcoming book on the kingdom of God due to release June 2018, this is a while ago, by the way, will have a similar effect as pagan Christianity did. It's just as explosive, revolutionary, and hard-hitting, but unlike pagan, the kingdom book offers practical, actionable solutions to the problems it addresses. On that note, I trust that you subscribe to my three-minute podcast on the gospel of the kingdom. It's not only on iTunes. It's not only on iTunes, it's been added to several other podcast apps and sites. So he's um, just doing a lot of work, as you can tell, no doubt, by the way he speaks. He's a very fluent speaker, and he's obviously written several books. I've found that those people are very articulate when they have. Um, love listening to all the, the work that he does. But particularly, I want the point that I want you guys to leave this with today is that institutional church is not, I would argue, the only form of doing church, and but that it, community with the the total number of saints on the earth, the body of Christ on the earth is absolutely essential for healthy marriages and families, and that it is absolutely paramount, of paramount importance that we find outlets and opportunities to connect with the body of Christ, to find a local body, body to find a cell group, a house church, whatever you want to call it. There are lots of things that have been attempted by churches in the past. Um, even if your form of assembly of the saints is an institutional church, that is on point there. It's all about bringing the actual vision God has for his bride to earth, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth as a people of God, as children of God, um, and finding the best way to do that in our assembly. And sometimes the way the practices that we have in our assembly are not always conducive to that. And it's important for us to um, understand that and fix the problems that we have with our assemblies and our practices. Because a lot of times, guys, what happens today to believers is we get in a rut, we get in a rhythm, we get in a routine, we get in a tradition, and we refuse to depart from that tradition in any way, even if it is harmful to God's vision for his church. We refuse to improve. We refuse to adapt. We refuse to um, you know, change what we say, change how we practice our church assembly. Uh, we just do it the same for 80 plus years. And then we wonder why churches are dying because our practices simply aren't working and we're refusing to go with God's vision for his church. It's very important. And I'm all about preserving the beautiful elements of traditions in the past. I'm all about learning, guys, is a process of looking to the past, gathering what you can, um, pr- protecting that, conserving that those values that work, throwing out the ones that don't and getting new values that work as well. There's, It's a balance of progressivism and conservatism in that way. Being a healthy church, I would argue, is looking to scripture, clinging to what we know about the early church, clinging to, what, well, the good things we know about the early church, clinging to those, clinging to those practices, prayer, breaking of bread, apostles' doctrine, fellowship. Those are things that I, ha- I think have to be unquestionable. Um, but then also in the actual practical implementation of that, when you, whenever you actually gather together, the practices that you have there need to be subject to change. They need to be subject to improvement. They need to be subject to the Spirit of God leading you. Um, and basically, so you don't get stuck. Basically, so you don't get stuck doing something that is not even aligned with God's vision for His church. So that, I think that's super important for us young believers to um, you understand, especially as we're going to grow up and get married and have a family soon. And here in the next few years, guys, um, we have to have a vision for that and we have to have a purpose. 
and a way, a mode of actually conducting our assembly with God's children. So I love the, the work of Frank Viola. I would highly recommend it for you guys. He has a very unique perspective on everything that he talks about, and I love authors like that. I love authors who say profound spiritual truth in a way that I have not heard before, and I absolutely would recommend Frank Viola on that on that front. So check him out, guys. Also, be sure to catch my interview with Frank Viola coming up in October. Uh, sometime in late October. Super excited for it. You guys are going to love hearing me talk to him there. Um, I'm really excited to do the interview myself. So thank you guys so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the show, if it ministered to your spirit in any way, reach out and let us know through social media or the link in the show notes, which allows you to send a voice message to me. Please utilize that. I love to hear your voice. It makes me feel super connected to you as my audience, and it just I just love to hear from you guys. So reach out to me there rather than social media. If you are interested in following us on social media, though, you can do so at Restoring Rapport on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next time.